Hello and welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me as always, my good friend, Jim Stam, wearing my mother's favorite hat. How are you doing, brother? It's all for your mom, Gary. I don't know how to, I don't know how to say it other than that. And that may sound weird, but it's, for, I mean, it's brother for early days of this podcast. It pretty much was, you well, know, it pretty much was just for our mother. My, our mothers. This, this is true. My mom always said, my mom always said we did such a good job. I knew she was lying. I knew that my mom would, my mom has never paid attention to baseball. And she would just call me up and tell me, you guys just had so much fun. And I'm like, yeah, she's she's better off not following baseball. I think we were talking about horrible subjects and stuff. And she's like, yeah, so nice. (laughs) Anyways, bring it, bring it up the, the tempo of this conversation today. We brought in one of our favorite guests, Josh Booth from over at bridge to Bucktober podcast. One of my favorite podcasts. Uh, we were going to nerd out. That's what I sold Josh and we will nerd out. I promised him and we will do it, but the whole show is not going to be nerding out. Now we're going to talk about some of the subjects that have come up since that's, that's lifting the skirt a little bit about the podcast business. You start booking guests a week or two out and then all of a sudden news happens. And guess what? That guy you booked to talk pitching. Well, he better understand how, uh, so-and-so gets traded and what happens when that happens? Cause you're going to have to find a way to work it into the conversation. Gotta, gotta be light on your feet. So Josh, say hello to everybody who doesn't know you. Hello to everybody who doesn't know me. My name is Josh. Uh, thanks for having talk. me on here. I, uh, I appreciate that. I uh, appreciate the kind words there too. It's always fun to get on and talk baseball with you guys. Uh, so I've been looking forward to this with a full page of notes of the stuff you say we were going to talk about. Oh, we so. will talk about it. We will. We will. We will. Well, we got we got some stuff to talk about. We will. Though. There's just some I stuff am, uh, I think is pretty interesting that we have to touch on. You know, like, yes. You know, we we got two big names out in, out in the field. You know, you got one via trade, one via free agency. You got Shohei Otani, the free agent. He's the free agent god. Everybody wants him. You got. Soto, he's the ticket in the trade market. Everybody wants him. Great player. But, you know, there's all kinds of caveats to it and everything. Normally, in a sport, when the best player, and I think you could argue that either of these are in the running for best player, at least. Shoyotani is, I think, pretty inarguably the best right now. But Juan Soto for a hitter. And a young, talented hitter, oh. 25 years old, to be coming into his own free agency-wise. And this kid is on another planet. Why is the world not blowing up? Is it because Shoei said to be quiet? I don't how, think so, folks. How, how dare he? <laughs> well, that's topic number one here of this here. Why is it a big deal that Shoei wanted people to be quiet? I mean, did anybody read what he actually said about it? Jim, the dude literally was trying not to raise the hopes of every place he visited. Like, it was one of his statements. What's wrong with that? I mean, would people prefer he take the LeBron James route? I I mean, and, and 
absolutely shatter the hearts of his hometown team. I, I just look at it like as soon as I heard that Shohei wanted to do things that way, I just figured he was a private person. He didn't want a huge circus with it. And the whole doesn't want fan bases to worry about what he's doing and he wants to make the right decision. And oh, by the way, do you trust any of these writers, these national writers, these agents, these owners? Uh, do, do we follow this sport? I wouldn't trust any of them to watch my dog for the weekend, let alone, you know, handle this this topic. I don't think Otani, would it be nice if he was open and transparent? Absolutely. I don't, but I, but I respect his decision. Uh, if he did it the other way, guys, he would be getting skewered because it was all about him and it was this big show he wanted to put on. I think J.J. Watt tweeted out pretty much exactly what you just said about he, the double-edged sword. You're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. Well, Josh, all right. Here's surprise topic number one. All what do you right. think? Well, I think there's a middle ground there. I think that uh, I think the LeBron James situation is a little bit different. Uh, Shohei's not in his hometown. He's not going to his hometown. Uh, that would probably be the biggest. That'd be the biggest thing he could do, though, right? I mean, you imagine dropping a bomb, going back home, <laughs> leaving the MLB. Oh, oh, oh God! <laughs> so, I mean, the thing is, though, for me is. There is a middle ground. There should be a middle ground somewhere. No, I don't trust the writers. Uh, I don't trust a lot. And that's probably because they're so bent out of shape on being first instead of being right. But at the same time, there is a certain amount of buzz that that would come that would come with that, that the game of baseball could use right now. I mean, we're talking about honoring Shohei and I'm okay with that. And the privacy and all that stuff. I mean, you said you wouldn't trust the writers to watch your dog as long as long as they don't release the name of your dog, which is also <laughs> one of Shohei's things. <laughs> but I think that there is yeah. something <laughs> there's something to be said. It's fair, of, very fair, Josh. Very, <laughs> very fair. I forgot about his. He, he does have a dog. <laughs> He's in. You're not allowed to know the name, but I'm okay with the privacy. There is something to be said about this game needing that type of of buzz that type of in the news i mean everybody else I'm is so playing right now you brought that up because i'm it's just gonna play perfectly into my next point uh, on I, this subject because uh, what I, you just said is it needs a buzz and everybody is wondering why wasn't there a big buzz about where otani's going and why isn't there a huge buzz about where soto was going and i'm sitting here like there's three places they could go yeah how much buzz do you want in the baseball world about it are the yankees or the dodgers pulling it off here's this blue jays story it's a little mirage out in the middle of the desert that i gotta be honest i'm pulling like hell for it to me it's like hey at least one of the middle boys can get one of these guys right <laughs> like let's see yeah. what happens but there's only so many places that, that could ingest either of these players. Well, it's funny you bring that up. It, and Gary, that's, that's, that's probably the biggest point of all. And I look back and I think about the Peyton Manning thing when he was potentially looking for suitors around the NFL to play the last time, you know, yeah. when he, and 
Yes, it was up to him, like who he wanted to kind of handpick, but a lot of teams could have been involved in that. It had nothing to do with the finances of many of the teams. If he would have went and said, I want to play for, oh, I don't know, the Falcons. I want to play for, um, I'm trying to think of another a team in football that would fit that criteria of not yeah. being a... I think yeah. I know where you're headed, and and I, I agree with you. And I don't want this to turn into a cap conversation, so it's no. not gonna. But, but it, any other sport, if the you, best player in the world was available, either via trade or free agency, the entire league, the entire league is excited, thinking it could possibly be them. Yeah, that's my point. It, I mean, now. Of course, then you get into he wants to live on the West Coast. He wants right. to live on the East Coast. They're, or, or they have cap room, right? They're or you're not, looking at only the teams room. who have cap room, right? Yeah. Well, in the NFL, you just make the cap room. If Mahomes tomorrow was <laughs> like, true. I want out of Kansas City because they won't surround me with talent. And, they, and the Chiefs are like, well, <laughs> somebody give us four, four uh, first round picks. And, yeah. And you got Patrick Mahomes. Everybody in the league would throw those those draft picks at the Chiefs, and they would yep. dump everybody up to and including TJ Watt off of their roster to make sure they got him. All of those unguaranteed contracts. Yep. I mean, You're I'm welcome, just saying, MLB. like, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and fight about what is best for baseball, but I do want to say you can't ignore the realities of the financial situation and then expect to have the same roaring, open flame, everybody hungry for these great names on the free agent board scene that the other sports create. It ain't going to happen. Well, and because everybody subconsciously knows, whether you're thinking about it or not, that there are very few options. So why get excited? Right. Yeah. Let's and I, it. if, it, you know, not to, not to step into another realm that we may not want to go into, but really this shouldn't even have to have the impact that it has. If it wasn't for 90% of the other big free agents being Scott Boris clients, those guys could move, but Boris will not sign a deal until Otani signs. I think if there was, if we were in another world, maybe they wouldn't be waiting for that domino to fall. Maybe they would be aggressively going in and getting signed by some of these other teams who aren't in it and saying, it's okay that the Dodgers aren't interested in Jordan Montgomery right now. Right. He'll sign with this team, but Boris won't let that happen. He'll wait and see if the Dodgers miss out on Otani so that they will go a little bit more for Jordan Montgomery. So, I mean, that's, like I said, I don't, we don't have to go down that path, but I just think well, that, well, we can't, I think that break, it's, that's for sure. We gotta take a break it's just unfair to Otani. So let's take a quick break. Let's come back. Let's promise that we're going to do a little bit of nerd stuff first, and then we'll jump back into to modern day stuff. We'll talk about the trade acquisitions and things like that. I promise. It's a long show, as most of you know, especially Josh, who reminded me just the other day. Let's take a quick break.
At DK Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now, that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Before we go any further, I do want to just say, um, I don't know if you say happy Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. Probably not, but Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day, everybody. So, you know, take a take a second to just think about what that means and how far we've come since then. If you feel we've come far. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah. Also, I believe it is the beginning of Hanukkah. So, and I also understand there's different sects that started at different times, but that, I think today is the beginning of Hanukkah. So, happy Hanukkah, everybody who celebrates that. Um, on the Pirates Fan Forum, we'll celebrate everything. It's always an excuse, right? We love it. <laughs> so, we we got to talk about something. We have to. <laughs> so let's start talking about something a little nerdy because the, the, the real approach of this show, the first thing that I hit, josh with was tell me about jared triolo and his crazy unprecedented babip and and for those of you that don't know what babip is it's it's basically the balls batted in play what happens to them you know that's basically what it is josh you can explain it if you like but why is this entirely unsustainable and and probably gave a lot of people a false interpretation of what jared triolo might be yeah. Uh teeing it off. I could go so many places. How uh man. So just for context, he had a 440 batting average on balls in play. Um, and I know it's been written, uh, I don't know if I have it here, but uh rookies who have had at least two hundred plate appearances and been this high, well, none of them. He's the first. Right. So that's Already say we're talking baseball history. Um, when something's never happened in baseball history, doesn't really matter if it's good or bad. Yeah, real good chance it yeah. ain't happening for a while again, at least. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's notable uh, one way or the other. Right. Game's, so uh, game's been around a long time. <laughs> well, I've I've got numbers, guys. If you're ready for them, go, because it go, does go. it does it sets a little bit of a table of of what you're looking at with batting average on balls in play. You hit the ball in play. What's your batting average when you do that? So it's all your hits minus your home runs because they're not in play um, divided by all your at-bats minus your uh, strikeouts. And is that it? Just strikeouts. And then they bring in the sacrifice hits. Right. So, or all your at-bats. Yeah. So you get that. It's a number one, another one of these combination stats OPS is a combination stat you know it's on base percentage you know plus walks and and doubles you know extra base hits and things like that it adds all those things together and conglomerates them into one number that supposedly means more 
So when you get a BABIP number, I think basically the idea of it, the reason you want it is you, you see the batting average this guy's putting up, or you see the on-base percentage this guy's putting up, and now you need to see, okay, how lucky is he getting? That's it. <laughs> That's basically it. Is yeah. he is he lucking into these, or is like you could argue in some ways, Josh, with this stat before we go reading it off, because I yeah. want to understand the stat first, because yep. I think a lot of people tend to just throw these away like they don't mean anything. Yeah, I may not like it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't mean something. So the reason you would want a stat like this is basically if a guy is hitting 330 and you can't for the life of you figure out how that's happening. Cause all he's doing is dropping single after single in front of every outfielder out there. Kevin Newman, like oh, Jason sorry. delay or let's say <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say it. Well, well, if you're doing that, you know, over time you figure the defense will adjust. Can they do anything else? You know, there, there's so many different predictives that come from understanding that. So I think that's where the stat comes from. Right. Yeah. And essentially what, what you can say, when you're looking at it, because that's one of the things I like to do is when I look at these things and I say, okay, so you're telling me he's got an 800 OPS plus what's that or OPS. What's that mean? That's why I like the plus numbers, right? Because the plus yeah. numbers tell you hundred is league average with batting average on balls in place. You're setting your, it essentially evens out to somewhere near 300. And that, and that kind of proves out this year, the league average was 297, right around 300. Um, in the last 30 years, that's the 21st highest, which I thought was kind of interesting. I thought it would go up a little bit this year, but the shift, cause I thought the shift really hurt it. And that's, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Uh, 2007, the league average was at its highest at 303. And in 22, it was at its lowest at 290. So it's going to be right around 300. And so the fact that he's at 440, that tells you he was very lucky. Now, there's a lot of people that have those kind of streaks for a 200 plate appearance window. That's fine. They'll also struggle some that will bring that down. If we remember back in 2020, Key Brian Hayes had a 350 batting average on balls in place. And we were like, he's going to be great. You saw how it evened out the next few right. years. I mean, so you can assume something similar to that. Um, here's a few for you. And then, and then, uh, and then I, I got more, but here's a few for you right here. <laughs> Players with 500 plus at bats. Josh, Josh is so in his element. I'm right ready now. to go here. When dude, he told me dude, what he wanted just, to talk about, I got to work that night. <laughs> listen, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Go, go, go. Players with 500 plus at bats and a BABIP of over 400. There are 38 players ever. So when you talk about doing something, he was 440. I'm just doing 400. Talk about doing it over a, the course of a full season. 38 players ever. 14 of those were before the year 1900 when they could dink and wow. dunk because they weren't throwing hard, right? The next 20 were from 1901 to 1936. Ty Cobb, highest ever with a 443 back in 1911. He hit 419 that season. Not going to happen. Shoeless Joe Jackson here. had Hold 433 in the same we season. A, we got a question here. Okay. Regarding Trollo, why is it bad the hot, to ride the hot hand as much as possible? He's projected as career super utility man now. Who's assuming he'll be better? Ned, nobody is saying that it's bad. We're examining a stat to understand what we think he might do next year. That's and also, really right. to, to follow up on that is, 
we're not saying he's bad, but I think people need to know this to maybe readjust their expectations a little bit because there are people out there that see what he did and will solely base it off of that. Yeah. And we're always, it's just some context we're trying to give. Yeah. So in other words, like if you're somebody that kind of thinks the pirates maybe should, and Josh, I'm sorry. I for interrupting Oh, you're you. fine. You're fine. If, if you, uh, if you're somebody that maybe thinks like, oh, they don't necessarily have to go get a first baseman. They got Triola or all we're trying to say with looking at stats like this a little closer is pump the brakes on that just a bit and, and understand that little things change it. For instance, like Josh, I bet you could probably weave a pretty cool yarn about what exit velocity does to Babip too. Because takes, well, we had that conversation with Key Brian that Hayes. Comes from that, right? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, so yeah, uh, ahead, yeah, just to keep going with this, Shoeless Joe Jackson in that same 1911 year with the Cleveland Naps, he hit 408 and he had a 433. Uh, by the way, stick around. I like Jared Triolo, <laughs> so don't don't give up <laughs> on us like we don't. I like him. The next guy we're talking 1936 was the last year I've already said, and we've already gone through 34 of the 38. Right. The next guy, Roberto Clemente in yeah. 1967 had a 403 Babbitt and he hit 357 that year. There he is. You got it. I got one over there. Um, there's there's got to be a Barry Bonds in here. There's not. The next person, wow. that was 1967. The next was Rod Carew in 1977. He had a oh, 408 wow. and 616. The last two were in 2002 and 2019. 2019 was Yoan Moncada, uh, 406 and 511 at bats. He had 315 that year. By the way, he's never put up those numbers again. Nope. Look what's and, happened ever since. Yep. He he uh, he struck out 154 times, the second highest K total on the list too. So that wow. is that, that starts to let you know a little bit. You know what I'm saying? That's an impressive wow. combination. So Jim, do you got any Babbitt questions here or comments? No, other than like, look, I mean, it's not all, it's not all bad. It does mean you are putting the ball in play. You know, you are making contact, right? And today, in in today's game for certain guys, I think it's just absolutely a necessity for their, you know, if people are expecting Jared Triolo to become this, this big time power guy, I just don't see that. So it, it still tells a decent story for him. I still think he can be a really good, you know, um, bounce around the gut, bounce around the field type guy, get his at bats, be, be semi-productive in those at bats. But that's really all I, anything more than that with him is absolute gravy for me. He can still be a really good component of your ball club. And I, I mean, if I have one more Triolo comment in general, it's that those 200 at bats and all of his minor leagues and everything, and they just made a change with him about three weeks before the end of the season. And, and that's a big deal. Everything that I'm hearing is you're not going to recognize Jared Triolo necessarily next year. He's still going to hit, but they, they expect more power out of him. They really do. And he's got the frame for it, so I don't yeah. think it's wishful thinking like with Bay. 
He's a big guy. And we've talked about this with his batting stance privately, Gary. We we thought that they might do something there or they should. And maybe, maybe, you know, something is absolutely clicked. Um, He's going to get an opportunity to play. It's just, I personally can't just see handing him a job at first base and saying, give him 500 at bats. I don't think that goes particularly well. And yeah. it hurts, it hurts them around the, the, the field, by the way, That's it. because he can go play some really high caliber, high level um, defense at other positions. Yeah. We haven't even seen the outfield yet. He's pretty good there too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's a lot that, that Jared Triolo has to offer. I just think that, this in particular was one of those stats that I saw pop up and I, I thought of Josh instantaneously because he's the type of person that can help us really understand why that's such a big deal. Um, again, it isn't to, to bash kids or anything. It's, it's just to understand them, to understand more about what could happen. And I got to throw a comment up here from Ned. Loves the show. Saturday staple for him. He's just moved back to Pittsburgh. Can't wait to go to games. Welcome home, Ned. Jim is a transplant himself. I know the feeling, Ned, and there's no place like home. Welcome back. How about we do another bucko topic? Because we have a new pirate. We got Marco Gonzalez. Wait, can I can I one more? I got one more for I have to can't help him. I have to if you want to. I have two more, but I've got one more because I have to take this thing full circle. The last time I was on this show was November of last year, exclusively, right? We had the, the, you guys is, uh, oh, the Christmas or the uh, 100th. Yeah. yeah. But I said, so we were talking about whether or not to protect Triolo on the, on the rule five on the 40 man. And do you remember who I said that he reminded me of? No. I said to you that he reminds me of Jordy Mercer. Now, let me read you some StatCast numbers that might bring this whole thing home. Average exit velocity. I'm going to read two numbers. The first one is Triolo's. The second is Mercer's. This is is for, so Mercer, this is over his career from from 2015 on. We missed a couple years at the beginning because StatCast wasn't there, right? So this will give you a general idea. Triolo 86.6, Mercer 86.8. League average 88.4. Barrel percentage 5.9 for Triolo, only 3.4 for Mercer, but uh, max exit velocity 108.1, Triolo 110, Mercer. Sweet spot percentage 39.5 and and 34.3. Launch angle 10.6 and 10.8. Expected batting average, 254 and 255. Wow. Expected slugging, 375, 374. Expected uh, WOBA, which we know that Triolo walks more, 350 and 300. Hard hit percentage, 33.6 and 30.5. But this included the 30.5 from Mercer included some seasons of... of, uh, 32.4, 31.8, 32.4, 31. 36. We're also, we're, we're counting some of those later years for him to bring his hard hit percentage down. Um, walk rate is going to be higher for Triolo. We know that. And then also strikeout rate 30.1% for Triolo. 
for Triolo versus only mm. 17 and a half for Mercer, which also kind of goes back to what you were saying. I've got another one too that I won't share, but maybe when we're done here, I'll tell you guys. Um, but sometimes when you strike out a lot, trying to hit the ball hard, you could really increase your BABIP by not making contact unless you hit it hard. So right. <laughs> that could be maybe a little bit of what Triolo, if he takes the the strikeouts down, maybe he gets out on a few more, but it might actually still the thing is, is if you're looking for a comp for Jared Triolo, I might have nailed it with Jordy yeah. Mercer. So when we look at a career, if you want to say, do you want Triolo at first? Look back through Mercer's seasons and say, yeah, I'm okay with this player playing first base for us every day. And, and then I you might get your answer. The, the the bigger question I would ask is forget the position. If you're, if, would you be okay? I'd ask the fan this, the, you know, the average fan that follows the parts. Would you be okay with uh, Jared Triola having a Jordy Mercer type offensive career? Um, and that's where you're going to have to ask yourself if that's okay with you or not. I think if you're a major league baseball player and have a Jordy Mercer type career, you should probably count your blessings because they I, don't last that long, do they? <laughs> I agree. I just, but again, that goes back yeah. to the expectations right now. Uh, I'd be curious. Maybe, maybe that's a poll question. Uh, hey, Jordy Mercer pit? played 103 games in his second year and he hit 285. If we could get Triolo around 100 games, not 150. Maybe you maximize that too, because then Mercer started playing more often and sit in the 250 range the rest of his career. Pitt City What says, why not second base? I don't recall any of us saying not second base or yeah, anything, I, really. So, right, yes. <laughs> yeah. Totally yeah. I think on, we're yeah. kind of saying he can play all over the matter, place and we don't necessarily matter, care where he plays. Matter of fact, as, as far as saying his blood is second only to Hayes, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that I think he actually lines up better as a second baseman than on somebody that I'd want at first. Right. All right. So let's get to Marco Gonzalez because interesting pickup. You know, I think there were a lot of people a little irritated. The Pirates didn't go after him from Seattle. Well, they liked that package in general. I thought it was bringing on a little too much salary, probably uh, with with the other pa- part of that package that was going Atlanta's way that I really didn't want, which was white. Um, that said, they ended up getting him from Atlanta basically for two and a half million dollars, which is next to nothing. And that's pretty sweet. There's going to be a trade. We don't know what it is yet. Could be cash. Could be low level prospect. Could be a name prospect for all I know. No idea what's going on with that. It really hardly matters. They need the commodity that is Marco Gonzalez. You cannot like the pitcher. You cannot think that he's going to be an all-star. If you thought he was, I'd probably ask you what kind of mushrooms that you were on and where you got them. (laughs) But Marco Gonzalez has been an opening day starter (laughs) three times in the past six years. He had a bad year last year. He really did. And he didn't pitch a lot. But that's not something that he typically has problems with. I believe everyone thinks the nerve damage situation is taken care of from the surgery that he had. And he's not a hard tosser, so he's probably pretty durable. Left-handed pitcher, you had to have it. You just, you have to get it. And you can't get mad that somebody like has a shopping list that starts at filet mignon and ends at Tic Tacs and they buy the Tic Tacs first. It doesn't matter as long as they get it all right. Yeah, that's like, the thing. Like, it, 
this is this is this is fine for the appetizer, I guess, um, as long as that's what it is. And you know, for the money that they got him for, for the potential that he can give them as a back end rotation guy, I don't have a problem with it. I'm not expecting the world. I do. I I do think health is obviously a big concern, but this would now be three teams, right, that have been involved with him in the last little bit. And I'm sure that they've got access to all that information about where he's at and how they see this progressing. And that's two teams that did bring him in. So I, I would I would feel I feel a little bit more comfortable about that situation uh, than I normally would. Josh, what do you think? Uh, I'm in. I think left-handed we needed to have, and for less than three million, I don't know how. I mean, what 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 does he have to do to be worth three million? Start ten games. I mean, I look at it like this: if he was on the free agent market, you're probably looking at a ten million dollar price tag, even yeah. given what he did last year. I think that's fair to say. He's so making what twelve and a half. We're just only yeah, paying three. Yeah, minutes. so that so, puts him in the category of. Uh, you know, he's at least in the Michael Walker territory as far as the free agent board goes, if he were to be up there, right? Um, so I, I think I think Marco Gonzalez is a, a good candidate for a bounce back. And, you know, he's got a $15 million option next year, which if he pitches the way he can, that's entirely reasonable next year, I think. And I think this team will be where they need to consider that next year. Like, I... What I'm saying is I don't think this is a definitive trade candidate. And I don't think, I mean, I think that it's highly likely they could, but, but I don't believe yeah. that it's a, they have to do type thing. And if you right. want a good solid lefty for next year, you've already got him in the fold. I, I Yeah. I think there's probably, we all have fun with Ben Sherrington and Bob Nutting and the pirates and, trying to find deals. I think there's more than a few teams out there that would have liked to have had this deal with this particular pitcher, how it all shook out. Right. And uh, there, I'm seeing a couple questions pop up in the chat. I'm going to get to those later because I don't want to mess up what we're doing here, but we will get to it. And Ponderosa is being discussed in the, in, in, <laughs> in the chat as well, because I, I talked about uh, filet mignon, so it made somebody hungry for steak. <laughs> And uh, yeah, Ponderosa well, was, was a dream come true back in the old day. Yeah, that was good. That was good living back in the day. It was good stuff. That said, that said, I'm not exactly an archetype for bodies that you want. So <laughs> don't don't necessarily pay attention to what I'm talking about there. So I don't know, Marco Gonzalez to me though is a necessary ad, and I and I I think it's probably around the quality level we were hoping they'd be looking for. I'd like to see somebody that doesn't have some kind of injury concern or somebody that I I feel a little bit more secure is going to wind up fitting into the top third of that rotation. I'll be honest, they get me that. I'm going to be pretty happy, and I think it needs to be the level of of Marco Gonzalez or better. That's that's all I'm saying, and and there's not many of those left. There's just not um, the ones that that 
that, that immediately come to mind. The signing of Eduardo Rodriguez to, to Arizona for four years, 80 million. I think it could wind up being 90 or something with incentives that Jordan Montgomery is going to be more than that. So, oh, yeah. Like, oh. oh yeah. So, I mean like, well, he's the only comp lefty really that that's there. You're, you're kind of looking at like your Michael Walkers and your, you know, Lugo, that type, you know, is, is a little level of their own that kind of slips in above Marco Gonzalez, but doesn't reach into that Jordan Montgomery scary area. So act quickly or miss out, quite frankly, or identify something the rest of us missed like you have with Quintana and Anderson. I, I think you I, take a second look at Sean Manaya. Uh, when you look at the when you look in that Marco Gonzalez and you're thinking, you know, if you're if you're now willing to to put out, you know, 12 million for somebody uh, to me, if you could get one more lefty and then go to your next, I think uh, Eduardo Rodriguez would have been it for me. I mean, that's the top end. I don't think anybody higher than him, the Pirates could ever acquire. But. I think um, we I, all allowed ourselves to get a little excited that Eduardo Rodriguez enjoyed the middle part of the country so much that he wouldn't yeah. go to LA. And we were like, maybe, maybe there's a chance that he would want to come to Pittsburgh. And that's what yeah. we all talked ourselves into thinking that was realistic. Thing is that price tag should be realistic. It just yeah. isn't, which leads me to the next topic that we're we're definitely going to have to take a break before because I think this one's going to fire us up a little bit. At DK Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now, that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects. Right, welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Hit the subscribe button down there and do all that stuff. Rate us on Apple Podcasts if you go on there. And if you don't like Apple, like if you're one of those people, it's like, I am not going to go with the Emperor. I will not. I will resist the Empire forever. Well, could you at least like just download it for a minute and go on there and rate it and then delete it? That would be pretty <laughs> cool for us because I'm just saying, if you like the show, you got to do some things that you don't necessarily feel like doing. Okay. That's all I'm saying. I'm not asking you to wipe with a cactus. Just, just help us you're, out. You're pirates fans. You, you endure much worse. <laughs> right. Ken Griffey Jr. Said if the Yankees were the only team to offer me a contract, I'd retire. <laughs> oh my. All right. So I lied before we get to our scary topic. Let's, let's bring up our question from Wilbert Matthews here because he was kind enough to donate to our channel question for each of you based on what you saw last year. What is your position on bullpen games and will, should the pirates continue with it in 2024 as the rotation and schedule permits? Uh, I'll go first and then I'll toss it to Jim who has been quiet because I have, brought a stats nerd on 
<laughs> Wilbert, <laughs> Wilbert Matthews, let me tell you what I think. Um, first, I think it doesn't matter what we think. Everybody in the league is kind of going this way. Uh, bullpen games are kind of a thing. I think they're going to continue to be kind of a thing. I think what you're seeing Atlanta do right now in early in the off season, fortifying their bullpens uh, through acquisition. Um, all of their big acquisitions have been bullpen pieces so far. Uh, granted, they lost a couple, but like they've brought in, you know, bullpen arms because they know that's why they lost in the playoffs. You have to have superior bullpen to to combat some of these lineups and it's just the way that the games are are and if you get into those three game wild cards you better have a bullpen that can that can just crush and it better be duplicitous i mean you better be able to like stack guys for days and if your closer can't go that third day you better have another one so i, I think there's a lot of teams that are going to focus on bullpens a lot more i just don't see it going away jim well, I mean, baseball is is concerned about this, so I think it's a good question. They're they're talking about you know how many uh, certain types of pitchers you can have on your roster. They might be you know adjusting that. It's not going to go away, and it's it's because I think teams have found it's easier and cheaper to find these guys that can maybe go. W- one time through an order or even less and because of velocity and you can kind of empty it all out and you don't have to worry about those other innings. So I, you know, I can see, you know, it's another way around finding good, great pitching. You can manufacture it a little bit. And that's what we've seen on the offensive side of the ball with it's, it's a little harder to find those all around type guys but you can kind of you can get around it and cheat it a little bit if you can find a guy that can leave the yard. So I, I just I agree it, with you. Th- there, there's there's more than one way to skin a cat, and teams are going to find it, and it's up to baseball's job. I think once it happened in the World Series, and we had an opener game in what was it, game three or four, everyone kind of cringed a little bit there. And that's whenever that stuff came out about maybe baseball trying to limit it. And the players union is interested in this too. Don't let's, let's not forget about that because what is happening is, is it's, it's, it's going to curtail what guys can make on the open market because they're seen as more disposable. I think, I mean, Josh, we were just discussing right before we recorded the ace is dead. Garrett Cole's the only active ace in Major League Baseball right now, at least the way us old people define it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, people. I mean, and, and I'm saying that knowingly excluding the Cy Young winner this year. Like, that's a he's right. a he's a five inning dude. So, yeah. um, bullpen games are here to stay. I think you know that. I know that. We know why. If it no. was just if it was just the cheap teams doing it, though. I think baseball would have a lot more of a problem with it than they do now that all the teams are doing. Mm. Mm. Right. Now, real quick, back to that specific question, because I did, did, was it slightly directed at the pirates and what they will do? Yeah. Um, Let's, let's touch on that real quick. I, I, I think you can't answer that until we see what happens here with the, the the rest of free agency and the the, the trade market um, because it, 
it will have no choice but to do that a little bit more if they don't get the arm situation. I've, I'm not a big fan of it only because I think when that stuff starts to derail, you you really have a heart. It's very hard to keep that going perfectly all the time unless you've really got the arms to do it. And I well, think and it needs to consist of fifteen arms, really, that that kind of make up the bullpen as the year goes on. So you've right. got to be very deep. You've got to be very smart. And and usually at the deadline, you fortify it with two or three more that you really are going to add into that mix. And that's what you pile on. These people that are going out and getting like two starters at the deadline, you ain't going nowhere. Because those two starters, most likely, unless they're like Verlander or Scherzer or whatever, and they actually can pitch, you know, like they're not going to help you as much as getting that stud that can come in and give you two innings four or five times a week if you have to have it in the playoffs. That's much more important in those short spurt series. And as long as that's going to be in play, teams are going to build themselves that way. And I can't blame them. Who wants to have fun? Ben's comments. Ready? I knew you'd want to do it. <laughs> Josh's favorite thing when we start talking about what people are thinking and feeling and everything, right? <laughs> so first, before I get into the, these comments, let me just say a couple weeks ago, you know, on this show, and I've done it on my site several times, I kind of just threw out a number of 85 to 90 million as far as where I think this team's going to go. And Jim knows, you know, because I, I text him things that that I that I'm hearing and everything. Why that I, I came up with that number, and it was just things that I was hearing. And and Ben Charrington's comments basically just confirmed exactly what I had been hearing. We weren't going to have any kind of meteoric jump this year in payroll. Um, they expect it to go up. And they expect it to go up slowly. I would think is the fair way to say it. I'm going to read his comment verbatim because I don't want to mess it up. I would anticipate us ending up above where we landed last year. Generally speaking, we expect that as we get better, the payroll will continue to climb with us. To some extent, motivation for us is if we can actually push that as we get better. Chicken or the egg, but competitiveness can help speed that up. That's the way we're operating. There's a lot to unpack in there. A lot of things that you might want to think about or parse or 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 read into. But at, at its core, what he's saying is, as the team gets better, they're going to cost more money. He's right, because arbitration exists. Um, and I've been saying this for a long time. Through attrition alone, by 2027, this team's payroll will be over $100 million. Through attrition alone, if they make no additions whatsoever, I'm talking just these kids grow together and reach arbitration together, this payroll will be up over $100 million if they don't do anything. They've already clearly done anything from when I started saying that back in 2020. That's how predictive this stuff is. It's not a guess. The only thing there was a guess is, is there a chance that this time with this GM, there's a different plan. Now we just know there wasn't. That's all. Josh, you want to go first? Um, 
Sure. Yeah, I I mean I agree with what you're saying. It's it's you have three years where the salaries go up, your first three years. They go up every year. That's in this in the agreement, right? And then you have arbitration. It's gonna get it's gonna go up from there. Interesting. I just looked up because I was curious. Key Brian Hayes actually will make three million less this year than he did last year, and Reynolds will make three million more. So that's even a wash. Um but I, I, I think that uh yeah, it's going to go up. That's an easy thing to say. I I think you probably could take more from him earlier in the offseason saying we're going to compete and be mad about that. <laughs> I mean, I just, uh, you know, I, I, mean, I, don't I still know. don't think that's I don't think that one necessarily rolls out the other. I've no. always known most of this team was going to be developed internally. Always. Right. Have. I think where people got the impression that the payroll was going to really, really take off this year was his comments. He said he wanted to, to win, to, to reach the playoffs and, and really compete this year. And, you know, Jim, we did an entire show saying how much we thought that was going to cost. And believe me, it's not 85-90. We had them up over 100 because we thought, hey, this is the year. Invest it. Yeah. And uh, then you can back off. You can back off. It can be even cheaper in 2025. And I, I mean that because if some of these pitchers graduate, that's what yeah. happens. It gets right. cheaper. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I advocated for one year deals to, to spike yeah, it. Yeah. One, yep. two year deals, things like that. So, so Jim, it's not even like I'm asking for them to commit to this increased payroll for, you know, 10 years. Hmm. I'm asking like right now, because you have a hole it, that you created via your de- development. It's that's what happened. It's the net result of what you developed. You don't have enough pitchers. And here we are. Fill the hole. I think that's all we were asking. 8590 ain't gonna do that. But that's it, all I'm saying. I mean, it's it it is a little bit of a mixed message, right? I mean, you're saying you're ready to compete, you're gonna attack the market. I mean, they're all kind of uh, eye of the beholder type terms uh, how do you want to interpret that stuff um the the one thing i will say is this it you know there definitely does seem to be a little bit like of like well we want to just wait and see how competitive we are before we do anything more you know before we commit um yeah, Pirates fans have to go to games so the team will spend money for a winning team. Uh, yeah. Um, it, it, it just harkens back to what Neil was dumb enough to say out loud. But that's exactly what this is. It's cart before the horse mentality. Make this environment at least a little less easy to create. You know, like, I, I, I don't know. It, it's I don't want to pay for the R&D, basically. Okay? I want to pay for the product. Give me the product. I'll pay for it. I don't want to pay for the R&D. I shouldn't have to pay for you to give me a better team. Give me a better team. Yeah. Okay. That's the way it should work. That's the way fans in general want it to work. And it pisses me off to hear anything other than that. Now, they didn't say that, but that's the impression that you get from hearing things like that. When they say like, yeah, we'll spend more. What I told you about arbitration that's what makes it a true statement. It ain't that Bob's going to allow him to spend more and more and more. And Bob's never going to beg him to. 
Like if this general manager doesn't himself have that within him to go and tell them what he needs and sell it and say like, listen, if you really honest to God want to win, Mr. Nutting, here it is. I need this and I need it right now. Bluntly. I don't think he's stupid enough to do that yet. Cause looking at this team, it ain't there. It's not, it's got to develop. These kids are not ready. <laughs> like no. right now, you know, we, we talked about that foundation, Jim, how many times build that solid foundation well, right now. The cement ain't set. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, no, it's not. It's not. And uh, it, it, what 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 would be interesting to me is if they did get in a situation where the the division was well within reach this year at the trade deadline. What would they be willing to do at that point? Um, According to his statement, they would. Let's see. They can actually push that as they get better. Chicken well, or the egg. You know, and there it is. <laughs> you know, kicking the can a little bit more. You know, it's like. I don't know. I, 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 I think, I think the thing we haven't mentioned, and I know we don't want to get into a big topic about it, but like the the, uh, the instability of these these uh, the TV stuff is really uh, not just affecting the pirates. I think you saw it at the winter meetings. Um, it's just kind of out there, this hovering nebulous thing that nobody knows enough about or talks about, but I think it's having a, a real effect. I mean, again, I think the pirates stand to lose maybe $10 million. Uh, I'm, they, they lost more on that on Vasquez who just got deported finally. You know, like <laughs> I'm not real interested in in like acting like 10 million sets them back that that drastically. I really don't. It's it not changes from, it changes from 100 to 90, though. You know what I mean? It changes from 50 to 40 is what's going to happen. They, their TV deal was only 50. So, oh, but I'm that, saying I know it's unreported, but it's true. 50. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying the the payroll though, because that TV deal, a lot of that is directly go in there. I mean, that's, that's how these teams can pay for, for all this stuff. It's not, it's not seats. It's not tickets. They're not paying for the players. Most of the time. It doesn't it, matter if nobody shows up or not. TV. I guess yeah. my point is you're talking about a organization that's been super risk averse to begin with. And then you throw in something like this and let's say it is 10 million. Let's <laughs> say, I mean, it's, let's say it's 15, whatever. Um, that certainly doesn't help the situation. Let me put it that way. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's very frustrating to, to watch because, or to hear, because I think people just want hope and it's foolish hope. You know, like you see people, like I think they had more fun on social media talking about wanting Otani to come here than, than, I mean, nobody thought he was going to, but everybody's making the memes and having fun with it. It's as close as we're ever going to come to even pretending we could. And he had to be all quiet about it. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I don't want, I'm not saying <laughs> this like, false hope. <laughs> I'm not saying this like some sob story. I, I, I've told you guys a lot. I'm a weird guy. I do like the journey. It doesn't bother me to, to watch 
teams lose. Like people freak out about the Steelers. I'm going to watch them tonight. Maybe score what six points against a team that might score three. Like it's going to be a bad football game, and I'm going to watch it. I'll be up till midnight, and I'll get up at six a.m. tomorrow anyway. They're the Steelers. I love them. They're my football team. I'll watch them no matter how good or bad they are. I've watched them no matter what. If it makes you that mad, just sports ain't for you. Just quit watching. Like for real, if you have to get as mad as I see people online, like threatening people's lives and crap. Yeah. What What's your address here? What's your address? What are we doing? You're showing up like, you know, where my wife works and stuff, you know, like uh-huh. it's sports people. It's sports. Like, the owner sucks. People that like don't want him lynched in front of town hall don't have to be bad people. We're just saying he's a bad owner. We understand that, but the Pittsburgh Pirates are the Pittsburgh Pirates and we love them. It's a bad owner and a bad system. Our, yeah. And, and Our that, only that, shot at winning in this freaking league is to do it this way. And it blows. But it is what you have to do. And you can't make mistakes. And you do got to hit the gas when it's time to hit the gas. When is it time to hit the gas? That's the thing. And I, and I think those comments led us to believe it was sooner than it really should have ever been. It it really should have been 2025. I think they could do it if they paid enough for the pitching. I just don't think they're going to pay enough for the pitching. That's really where I come down on it. Yeah, and that's why, again, you keep going back to what are they willing to trade? Because yeah. you're, you're not going to get it any other way. I mean, you, you see the deals, these, the, the, even a marginal pitcher is, is getting right now, which shouldn't surprise anybody, by the way, because right. every year teams act a fool for major league free agency pitching, and it's no different, and it's not going to be any different yeah. next year. Well, and, since that's the case, and we're definitely going to be digging around for the same type of players and everything, another thing I thought I'd ask Josh is – what stats do we feel are most predictive for a bounce back candidate? Because I always see people go and read immediately like what last year's stats were for a guy. And they immediately feel like that's what you're going to do. And I see people, some will rely on that steamer stuff where steamer is telling you what they think that guy's going to produce next year based on usually a track record they've laid. And if they don't have a track record, that steamer is about as useless as, well, uh, a steamer. So I kind of <laughs> just don't have much to do Gary, with it. Gary, what does that mean? Yeah. Then you got people adding up war and like, oh, we'll add up the war of the pitching staff and then we'll know how many wins they'll get. <laughs> it's like, so, so I figured, let's ask Josh, is there a stat really or a set of stats that you look at that are really predictive for you. My go-to is whip. Cause yeah. I think guys that keep guys off base tend to do good things in this game. And whip to me is the best indicator of who's not letting a lot of guys on somebody with like a 1.2 whip that has like a crazy bad ERA to me is a bounce back candidate. Yeah. I think it's a pretty it's a it's one that I I use to help like simplify the game. 
So that's how I am with, with uh, OPS. I just like it for its simplicity as much as WIP is that you can take a couple things and look at it measured against the league average, which I think is important to do. And you can get some really good basics. Josh, where are you at? What do you think? I'm not a war guy. I'm really not. The more I see a war, I don't like it. Um, So where are you at? Yeah, I won't comment on the war. Uh, just (laughs) For me, I I do. I look at whip. I also, um, I can go down one more to just like whiff rate or strikeout percentage Ks per nine, any of those barrel barrels, another good one, I think. Yeah. Well, anybody that can get guys out by them, not hitting the ball is, is going to be a, you know, a good indicator that there's something there at least to work with, you know what I mean? They're missing bats and missing bats is a good thing. So I I look at that on the pitching side. Uh, I also know that um, a lot of people know a lot more about pitching than I do. So I tend to read a lot <laughs> of what other people think, but um, it's track record is a big one for me. I'm, I'm going to look at somebody's age and some people age faster than others, but you yeah. know, I'm going to look at age and I'm going to look at track record. And if you, if you, some if you have a bad year, it, that's, I mean, yeah. I mean, like I said, there's any of these can be flipped. Quarterbacks, like quarterbacks and pitchers a lot of times are like that. Yeah. Yeah, any of these could be flipped. Some guys who rely on velo only, they lose their velo and they learn how to pitch. So I mean, there's some things that that you can't predict and and guys will bounce back even when you don't expect it, but um, you know, I think track record for me, if a guy's injured, I can kind of say, "You know what? We know this league enough. We know that if a guy goes on the IL, he was hurt before that, unless something happened." Like, like Cruz, right? But if, if we yeah. got a guy who's maybe, man, he hasn't been good for three, four starts. All of a sudden he goes on the IL. That's because he was pitching hurt. You know what I mean? Well, like Marco, he, Marco Gonzalez is a perfect example of that last year. He was having issues. Exactly. Yeah. And he if wasn't. He nobody could tell him what was wrong, right? Right. Yeah. And, and that's a big know, thing. So what yeah. do you, tell me, Josh, what do you think of when you, when you see, okay, because back to Gary's original point, which is, young guys right how do you and so we're looking at look i mean andy henry piguero um you've got all these young guys that you're looking at how do you even go about trying to predict anything like yeah like pitt city here he has a a good one like he knows very little about development but priestry looks so bad right okay yes he did his results looked awful things that happened to him were awful when a rookie pitcher gets caught up, very rarely do I look for them to do what Luis Ortiz did a couple of years ago, like mm-hmm. in his five starts where he just shoved. I mean, I got to tell you, like, very rarely do I just have my breath taken away. And Jim can attest to this because we were doing the show. Yep. Luis Ortiz blew our freaking doors off. We had never seen a rookie come up like that. He was right. dominant and in command and control. And he just, wow. And what happened to him after that? Well, hopefully they figure it out because the, the kid yeah. had the stuff, right? It was crazy. Quinn Priester, same kind of thing, except you're not getting the results. Okay. You want to see the shape of his curveball. 
And you want to see where he's putting his fastball. How's the command for the fastball? What's he hitting? What isn't he hitting? Are his pitches playing off of each other? Are they actually competing with each other? Are they screwing each other up? Like, for instance, his slider and his curveball, if he's not really in control of his wrist, if you watch them, they, they almost start to create a Venn diagram where they come back together and almost cross over and become the same pitch. That's deadly for him. If his curveball is not going down, Quinn Priester is a batting practice pitcher. He knows all this. Yeah. I don't look for results when rookies come up. Hardly ever. I look for what their pitches are doing. I don't expect them to be good. I expect them to get shelled. They're major league hitters. I expect that. But I also expect them to push back. And I think that's what I'm looking for from Quinn next year. I want to see him push back now. He got punched in the mouth at the major league level. Let's see it. There's a lot of guys that need to push back a little. Quite honestly, we had a little too much of that last year. So we'll find out. Let's be honest, too. We keep saying they have to get two or three pitchers. We've been saying it probably since November, right? (laughs) And then Oviedo got hurt, and I think most of us reasonable people kept it at two or three because we were like, we can't ask them for four. We're not going (laughs) to even get the two or three. Let's not make it worse, right? So I'm looking at it like two or three. The Pirates aren't looking at it the way we are. Like They're not looking at it like the cupboard's bare like we are. they're expecting that by the end of spring, yeah, I don't know what this guy's going to be, but I trust him. And I think you're looking at guys like Contreras, Ortiz, Priester, you know, Falter to a degree, probably just lost his job to Marco Gonzalez. But you have, <laughs> you have some other things like that. I think they're going to want a couple of those spots to, to be occupied by whether we like it or not. And, and really for the success of this club, some of their rotation in 2025 is going to have to come from this group has to. I say this all the time. Uh, if, if I was there at the field at, you know, with them training, getting an opportunity to see guys pitch bullpens, get an opportunity to know a guy, know what he's, what he's thinking, what his attitude is, how hard he works, all that stuff. I could have way better takes on our show. The thing is, is we don't get that luxury. We don't get to see them. If, if this front office goes into this with maybe only one more signing, that means one of two things. They, they really did a bad job, which is, I think what everybody's going to go to. Absolutely. Yeah. The only other explanation is that they believe in the players that they have. I mean, like, is that the only thing that we have to hold on to? Maybe I could, I could get there with you, Josh. And I agree with you a hundred percent. I think that's exactly where I think that the two worlds would collide that they believe in the players. We don't because we're not seeing everything that said, I think even then we we should kind of see that they need more fortification. And and I think that that leads me to wanting a little bit more major league fortification, not minor league fortification. So right, hey, and I, you just don't want to have to rely on it. That's a huge, just, a huge risk. Yeah, I mean, great. You trust you trust yourself that you're making the right decisions, and some of those guys are going to be there. But it's nice right. to have a plan B and a plan C. 
and that's what I think everybody is is saying. Look, great if one of those guys makes it out of, you know, the funk that they were in. And I mean more Contreras and Ortiz. Priester, he's going to get another crack at things. We just we just want some backup plans. You know, yeah. that's all. I'll be honest, guys. Like, there's there's certain players that that people aren't assuming are going to struggle. Paul Skeens is going to struggle. <laughs> like, I'm just telling you, he's not going to. First of all, he's he's not a lock to even be up here mid season. But like, that's not a lock. This is not a foregone conclusion that they wait for Super Two and call up Paul Skeens. I'm telling you, there's a little more work to do there. I I really do think that, and. uh I think we're going to see that play out. In fact, I, I bet we're probably not even clamoring per se, aside from the people that didn't pay attention and just think he should have come up on in April. <laughs> but um, Jared Jones is probably a guy who's going to struggle. He's only got two and recently a third pitch. The third pitch is coming along, and it's a changeup, and it's pretty. It's pretty. But he doesn't always put it where he wants to. And if he doesn't, softball pitcher. Like, and it's it, that simple. Yeah. Good. Now, I, what I was going to say is, you know, we got the question about Quinn Priester is, and I would tell people this, is like, don't get so results numbers oriented with young guys right away. Right. right? Like, if you're going to watch the game and you really want to try to figure out where this guy is, if he's a pitcher, you know, is he hitting his spots consistently? Is he staying ahead in the count? What does he do when he gets guys down in the count? You know, can he put guys away? And if there's problems in between there, so be it. That's part of like the rounding out of being a major league pitcher. And I would tell you, I would tell you, watch guys at the plate, you know, are they competing in these at bats? Are they making it difficult on pitchers? Even if they're getting out, are they making it difficult? You know, how are they getting out? Those are all things you can sit and watch in a game and say, okay, you know what, is that 0 for 4 and that right. or that 1 for 15 streak? What, what does what does that really mean? Or you can go, watching? what's his BABIP? How low is his BABIP right now, right, right. Josh? Now that we understand how BABIP works, you can yeah. go, what is his BABIP? My goodness. Yes. Or, like, or go, Key Brian Hayes is a big one. I feel like he's yeah. hitting the ball hard. What's going on? Well, his BABIP was super low. Right. We knew that it would come up. It'll even out. Josh, Those this are just is awesome. Little man. things that you can do when you I, watch. I have one more question before we go on this, uh, because I want to know what you guys think. Do you almost want to see a young player struggle before they make it to the majors? Like, do you need to see that? I don't trust a that? player until, until they struggle. I, d- I do not trust a player until they struggle. If you got a guy that comes all the way up, like Quinn Priester is a good example. I mean, you could go back to Tyler Glass now. They've been able to, I, I saw Priester pitch a couple times uh, in AAA. And I mean, one time it was, I don't think he got out of the second inning. And it was because he couldn't locate at all. Everybody was getting walked. I saw Tyler Glass now in AAA as well. And he he walked Six guys, but guys were swinging because the stuff was so good yep. that even if he wasn't locating, he got away with it. And so I think that some of that is, you know, Quinn Priester. He had to come up in order to struggle. And the same thing with with Glass now. He had to come up in order to struggle. And I think sometimes that's a hard thing. 
And I mean, we, you know what Glass now is, whether you like him or not. I know he can't pitch deep into a game. I know he's only got two real pitches, but he's effective if you use him right. If you're just patient with Quinn Priester, it's possible. You you find a way to locate those pitches and you'll be effective. Now, I think Priester's a completely different pitcher than than Glass now. So I'm not saying that, but I'm saying the patience. You know what I mean? Like if they yeah, didn't yeah. struggle Glass, in the minors, Glass now, they, Glass now can get a uh, get away with a lot more, right? Just from sheer stuff that he has, he yeah. could, but he also had to learn that bouncing curveballs, uh, you know, two feet in front of the plate in the major leagues doesn't generate swings. Yeah, and that took him a long time to understand, and I and I think that's one of the the struggles there. But another thing I'll say about the timing of everything, because we can all have sour grapes about injuries and whatnot, like Burroughs and, and Brubaker and, and whatnot. Every team has those and every team has their schedules thrown asunder. Detroit is still actively paying the price for their starting pitchers going down that they drafted. And Miami is just prolific at, at assembling starting pitchers so they they their depth has allowed them to survive potentially sandy alcantara going down and sixto sanchez and like edward cabrera how many times has he gone down i mean like they they survive because they they thrive at developing pitching so like when you see a conga line in the minor leagues of guys who should come up here and should have the pedigree and should be able to you don't ever want a situation where you have four or five of them doing it at once. That's a losing baseball team. That's what I fear this team could be this year if they go this route, because yeah. I think it'll be productive and make the team move forward in the long run by suffering through with all those kids. But they've gotten the offense to a place where they can't afford to do it. That's the struggle of, of how this rebuild has come together. Yeah. And, and it's also yeah. what we could watch this year, a struggle fest. Right. And and you said about not using injuries as an excuse. I think like, man, if you're if you're if you're an organization at this point in time and you're not factoring in injuries and just I mean, it's like a it's like a department store. Yeah. You better just go ahead and write down this is X amount we're gonna lose every year in shoplifting. I mean, like that's just it. Like yeah. you better be prepared for it. And you can't just go into something saying, okay, this is what we're doing. Everything has to go perfect. You no just doubt. can't operate that anyway. Anymore. No doubt. You have to. But I, but I just think they've set themselves up for this. And it's not really their fault because they normally have like, again, we, we don't want to blame injuries, but they had Brubaker there for, you know, another couple of years. And it was going to be him and Keller and they were going to have Oviedo and, you think Contreras is probably going to bounce back at some point, right? Or Ortiz, one of them is going to come along. Priester's right there. He's number one pick. He's at least going to make it as a major league pitcher, it feels like. Feels like he'll make it as a major league pitcher at least. And if they do put him in the bullpen, despite popular belief, that kid will hit 98. No doubt. He's got the arm. He's got the frame. He's done it in the past. Yeah, so he's going to be a useful pitcher. You just have to allow this stuff to, to happen. I hate saying patience to Pirate fans. I hate it. it. You can't do pitching any other way. And that's the thing right now is everybody's out of patience. So I, you know, I do get that. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the Pirate, Pirate fans have been asked to be patient for their whole lives. Right. And it does start to boil over. And, and that's, uh, that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Well, hey, let's end the show, but 
Josh, man, thank you so much. I'm sorry we didn't have the total 100% nerd fest we promised, but it's fine. I can't help it that news happened and everything and and all that. So <laughs> good stuff. No. Now you have done all your homework for your show that you recorded this week. I know, right? That's what I said. Well, everything right? we don't cover, I can save. <laughs> Yeah. Josh, you're perfect to come on here because you you hit something that Gary and I don't always dive into into the numbers like you do, and so you make the show better when you're on it. I appreciate it, bud. Yeah, appreciate that. So listen to the sequel of this show when Josh does his show here, <laughs> because he, anything that he didn't get to wrap up here, trust me, he will circle back. He will call it out. He'll be like, if you listen to the Pirates We Have Forum, listen, at 43 minutes and 38 seconds, I said this. I didn't mean it. This is the truth. So just go listen to it. You'll love it. That's good. It's good stuff. And uh, hey, Pirates Fest is coming up. I don't know who's all going to be in town, but let's start talking about it. Find us on social media. I'm going to go. I got tickets for it. I will be there. If you're going to go down, let's meet up. Yeah, if you're going to go We've down, let's tickets. meet up. I got my little Apple microphone that I bought now, so maybe we'll do some little bit of a live hit or something. Yeah, we. There. anybody that's listening, um, let us know, and we'll see what we can do. Right, and if the show sounds extra good, you can blame Josh because he helped me with my microphone. So let's toss it over to Ben to say goodbye to everybody the way he always does, and I'll do it for everyone here. And thank you for the chat again. Super awesome participation this week. Let's go, Bucks. Let's go, Bucks!